Hello and welcome to episode 1024, my birthday episode of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, March 8th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Happy birthday. <laughs> no, I meant my birthday in terms of October 24th. Uh, yeah, it's not my actual birthday. But I was uh, like, man, this year has really moved fast. I, mean, I, I feel like so I just flew out to Austin and celebrated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, wait, wait when, when's your birthday? November 16th. November 16th. So we'll have your birthday episode you know, relatively soon. Yeah. 11, 16, a little that's, bit ways that's, off. At some point this season. Yeah, but it, it'll be there, um, you know, if we get a season. No, um, stop that. Just stop I know. That. I was just going to say, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. <laughs> People said that they listened to the episode, you know, the day uh, yeah. that be before that we had gotten the hype from like uh, Nightingale and them, and we were showing a little bit of confidence. They listened to it after the games had already been canceled and everything was totally screwed. And they're like, oh, that hope and optimism was adorable from those idiots. I, I, I mean, it was totally like Lucy pulling the football. I mean, hundred percent completely fell for Bob Nightingale. And, you know, knowing that he is just a, you know, owner, like, you know, bootlicker. Um, and uh, yeah, no, just should, totally should have seen it coming. Just did. I mean, it was during I was streaming on Twitch when like the news was coming out and people were like getting hyped about Nightingale. And I just constantly pushed back saying, guys, it's Nightingale. It's Nightingale. It's, it's gotta be the opposite. But then like, even I started to fall for it. I was like, well, you know, this is pretty, this is pretty, you know, positive stuff. So stupid. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, today could be a big day. could be a good day. I don't know. I'm also not trying to get hyped on it. So we'll just keep the even keel. If it happens, it happens. Otherwise, whatever. But we got a little news to talk about. Um, we got my NL labor salary cap. Mm -hmm. you want, I want I want your thoughts on my squad over there, and then we're going to finish up shortstop. Didn't want to start third base and kind of have you know two positions overlapping there, so we'll be finishing shortstop, talking about the kids, the boring draftables, and then some of the back end chaff for you deep, deep, deep league folks. Um, but let's start with a little bit of news. It's kind of a bummer, man. I was uh, I was excited to see where this guy would land, but I cannot under any circumstance blame Kwang Young Kim. For going back to the KBO, got a four-year, twelve million dollar deal to head back over there, and with the uncertainty going on here, you know who could told, who could blame him at all? I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if Saya Suzuki does the same thing. But had you been looking at Kim and any of your uh, any of your draft champions that are now going by the wayside there? Yeah, I, I've drafted him twice. I drafted him in the uh, Arizona Fall League uh, once. That's not a big deal because it's a uh... You know, standalone. free league, standalone. Um, but yeah, in my uh, and then in the triple play was the other one. Um, I I drafted him and uh, for sniping me. Yeah, it's a bummer. It, um, yeah, because I I feel like he probably would have gotten more money. You know, probably yeah. a couple million more a year for maybe not as many years. Sure, maybe he would only thirty five. Yeah, um, a bit older. And he's, you know, he's kind of had up and down years. It's like someone pointed out on Twitter, like he's had like some of the worst luck because of 2020. Really um, has, dude. He, you he's know, like, just, he probably thinks America sucks. Yeah, <laughs> he's he, like, I went over there and it was cursed. He, he wouldn't be completely wrong <laughs> considering how baseball has treated him. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's a huge bummer because he's I only think, 33. He's only 33. He could come back. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, not, not after a four year deal. Not after a four year deal. If it was like a two year deal. 
I could see him maybe coming back. No, no. After a four-year deal, you're right. He's I mean, he could always po- they could always try to post him and stuff like that. Maybe, True, maybe. but no, I think he finishes over there now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, yeah, you're, more, you're definitely right. My guess is he's going to finish over there. I mean, unless maybe he's got some sort of caveat in his contract where, like, if he gets an offer, he can walk away from it or yeah. something like that. Uh, I hope so because he was a fun pitcher to watch, and I think he, he was. I think he still had more upside to to show us. So, um, yeah, definitely. Just I, I deleted him off my ranks last night. I updated. Uh, I think my outfielder ranks and my starting pitcher ranks on the on the Patreon, uh, and those will be going up on Fangraphs. Uh, I think Thursday and Friday. So excellent. Um, yeah, just this is a huge bummer. Yeah, um, I liked him. I, you know, I thought he was a good pitcher, and behind that defense, mm-hmm. you know that that Gold Glove winning defense. I definitely thought that uh, we could have seen a nice season out of him. With the Cardinals, but that's Kwang Young Kim going back to KBO. Wish him the best of luck and totally understand the reason. Mm-hmm. Little bit of rumor news here that, uh, you know, it's probably just one of those passing things, but it is a little interesting. Apparently, the Rays made a big offer to Freddie Freeman. Uh, actually, I don't know how big it was. I have no idea. It could have been like a one year mega mm-hmm. or, or I, I don't know. It's just that they made an offer to Freddie Freeman prior to the lockout. We don't have a whole lot of detail that go on it, so we're not going to spend a ton of time here. But when you saw that, what what did you think? Did you think what would be more of like a two, three year, but huge AAV? Or did you think they really ponied up for like a five, six year deal? Did you see uh, what Christopher Crawford uh, had tweeted I, about it? I did not. I only saw it on on um, NBC Sports Edge on the like, news panel. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find the tweet. Uh, dun, dun, dun. I apologize for it. No, no uh, problem. I'm just going to read here, though. Um, you know, it's talking about how Blue Jays, Dodgers, also a fit. Of course, going back home to the Braves is also. A fit. I know Dodgers would be going back to where he grew up, but I mean, back home to Braves is certainly a possibility. And it does seem like I, I don't know. I don't want to say that I feel like he's gone just because they didn't get Freeman a deal before the lockout. But you would have thought that. World Series winning team would kind of lock up their superstar ASAP. But I wonder, you know, if they're like, hey, yes, he's amazing, but, you know, is a 32-year-old first baseman the best investment? I, You know, I don't know. I, I think he is. I think he's going to age brilliantly. So I'm, not, I'm just asking, like, as the Braves, not saying I agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> For, for those for those not watching, I've shared I've shared the tweet uh, from Chris Crawford. He, he said that it was 144 million dollars over three thousand centuries. Thousand centuries. It's That's the really follow up tweet though, in which he says the year is 28,883. President Justin Bieber, MCMLVIII. Uh, yeah, declare, that, that's the Roman numeral there that, mm-hmm. d- that describes what Justin Bieber that is. Mm-hmm. Declares we're on new, new Equatorial mm-hmm. Guinea. The, su- the Seattle Supersonics are handball champions again. Handball is the most popular sport. Uh, the Rays issue one of their final payments to Freddie Freeman's ghost. <laughs> that's really funny. That's really, really good. Yeah, well if, done. If, if, yeah, if you're not following Chris Crawford on, on Twitter, you're missing out. He's a Dang, really good prospect guy, uh, but also uh, very good. Uh, Twitter follow as well. So that's, uh, I, I thought that was pretty hilarious. That's really, really funny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. You know, it, I tell you, we're probably only really talking about it because 
We got nothing else to talk yeah, about. Yeah, nothing else to talk about. Normally, it would probably just be a passing thing, but I don't really think that they can compete. Uh, I mean, they, they could. Let's be honest. They have the money. Yeah. Every team has the money. But would they step up and, and really give a big offer to like beat the Jays or the or the Dodgers or even the Braves? I don't know. Um, more important news, Dodger-related, possibly. I don't know. We'll get your take on it. A little bit of positive Max Muncie news, progressing very well or progressing well. Now, some people have taken this both ways, right? They're saying, like, is he only progressing well because the the we're, we're delayed in the season and he needs this extra time? And that's, you know, it's, so it's not that positive of news unless more games are canceled. Or, hey, uh, there was also a part of the quote that said TJ was never on the table. And uh, the only thing that's really an issue is that he hasn't been able to work with the Dodgers training staff to help get him really back to where he needs to be. When you saw it, when you saw it floating around yesterday and everyone was talking about it, what did you think about the Max Muncy news? Did you move him back up your rankings? Did you keep him status quo? Did you move him lower? Where are you at on Muncy? I know right now you're you're very low and kind of off your board type of deal. Yeah, he he didn't move any. I mean, he's still like 34th or something like that in my third ba- or first base ranks. Um, this, this Zero credibility, dude. I cannot. I will never yeah. read another one of your <laughs> You and uh, Terrence, who commented <laughs> on my shortstop article. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, this doesn't change anything. We talked about it on Sunday a little bit. Um, we're with Jason and Torres takes uh, Christopher Torres, uh, and it just if he's wasn't going to be swinging like game ready by now. This is you know what would have been pretty much halfway through spring training and he's not yeah ready to play in games he's just starting to swing a bat um yeah that's not a really good sign uh you know nick savoli if you're not following him on twitter you should follow him uh he he talked a little bit about this he he thinks he's gonna be fine defensively it's the left-handed swing put in torque and he feels like the dodgers are kind of preparing well dodgers and and muncie are kind of preparing to like kind of wait and see and then make a decision in june do you really want to find out in June that uh, you're not going to have your starting first baseman or starting second baseman? Like, <laughs> I don't tough. know. Uh, Chris uh, Torres, who, like I said, was on Sunday, made a really, really interesting point. He said the way he looked at it was like, you know, is the upside of this guy a league winner for me? And if he's not, then why am I taking the risk? Um, I, and- I think he is, though. Is he? I think that is the upside. Sure. 255 home runs. That's pretty big. I mean, no no single player is a league winner outside of like the very first. Yeah, but I mean, like, first he's, round guys. So I but love like, Max Muncy. He's a game changer. I don't think he's a game changer. I really don't. Um, I mean, I mean, you ain't getting 35 homers from Patrick that cheaply. Wisdom. You're not getting 30, like at, at what cost, dude? At, at a 200 average. I think I think it makes sense if you're playing in a league where he's going after pick like 220, 230, and your your league is shallow. So there is replacement value on the waiver wire, uh, and you want to just take the shot. I think the hard part is if you're playing in NFBC, you're playing in a deeper format, or you're playing in a league with limited IL spots. Um, no IL spots. In, or no in IL NFPC, spots. NFPC, it's not, seven reserves and that's it. But oh, or, if you're, if or, you're not in NFPC. Yeah, sorry, sorry, like sorry, let's play your, if you're playing in the ESPN league with three IL spots and, you know, three bench spots, yep. it's hard to roster a guy like that, you know? No, I, so, I understand because you're inviting that, 
you're you're yeah. already inviting the trouble, right? And that's mm-hmm. something that Scott Pianowski talks about where he doesn't even want to bring it on to the squad. And I totally agree with that. And obviously this is something that you've had a pivot on. You were open yep. and I'm not trying to make the joke about the main event, but but no, it's right. It uh, turned yeah. you. That season turned you and you said, No, no, this I, I realize that this it, is too much risk to take on. And it's not about rostering one individually like injured player. It's a, it's the idea that, hey, I'll just survive until this guy is back. Your te- like what happened wasn't like that I made bad decisions in who I was stashing in 2019. What happened was 12 other of my guys got injured. And now exactly. on top of the six I already had, I had 12 more. And that's and so, exactly it. And I could, even if I had had, seven il spots i couldn't have kept them all like it just mm-hmm. i would have had you know it was just compounded worse because it was nfbc and there are no il spots so and, and that's what scott drills on mm-hmm. is that don't invite injuries because you're gonna get them anyway you're, exactly you're They're guaranteed gonna... to get some because that's the nature of the hall, sport hall of famer scott pianowski congratulations scott, scott. yeah congrats to him, scott. fswa well deserved Love his podcast as well. Hopefully that's coming back for the season. Uh, to the point about about you know game t- team winner type thing. He was a he was the forty seventh best hitter last year on the auction calculator at pick one seventy one. You know that that's pretty league winning. I I think you know what, what relative to like, I mean you know other first baseman going Mullins. in that range. Um, I mean that's like you know, the needle in the haystack. But Kirilov, yeah, Rizzo, Trey Mancini are going after right around him. Ty France, Tyler Stevenson, Joey Votto right before him. But there's a lot. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say all those guys. Like, just in a regular season, like, would you? You're a huge Ty France guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, would you be surprised if Ty France in a regular season just outproduced Max Muncie? No, no, because like I love his batting average, and I think there's power upside. So, but Max well, Muncie has a proven level that is is much more bankable than Ty France. I just think first base, especially, is so deep. Like you can get a guy second then. You're not getting 35 homers at second base I, I late that, in the draft. That's, that's fair. That's, that's my fair. only point. So again, league winning. I think Torres is on uh, fair to like say like you know what what's the level and it, it depends like what threshold is league winning at 171. I mean I'm not taking him, so I'm not sitting here telling you guys that you got to take him. Uh, I so do think that where would you take him? Anything that starts with a two, I can start to consider. So another two mm-hmm. rounds later, I can at least start to consider you- it. We, you, you were going to transition into NL labor. Did you bid on him in NL labor? I did not. Okay. I just let it go. And that could have been somewhere because there's unlimited IL that maybe I could have gotten in. Um, and yeah, let's talk about it. Some NL labor. He went for 19 though. I didn't even think that there was that much. of a Wow. Discount. Yeah. That isn't a discount. Really. I mean, and that's why right. it's a little bit of a discount, but I mean, labor is an average league, not like tout, which is on base percentage. So, mm-hmm. but still $19 on a guy that, in a league where injuries will crush you. Exactly. Like, I mean, we're NL talking only about 12 a, team. A 12 team NL only league. Yeah. Injuries determine who wins. For real. No, I, uh, I I totally agree. And the thing is, I I actually looked it up after. I looked up Muncie after that bid to see if something had come out to where he was more certain. Mm-hmm. It was Sunday night and, and there wasn't. And I don't say that to like shade on Eric Carabell who got him uh, because I, I forget the exact dynamics of it too. And if he had extra money and said, you know what, I'm just going to go in for this uh, because he can also get some of the fab back. Like if it's a season long injury, he can get, I think, half the money. So I don't know if we're rounding up and they'll give him 10 bucks or whatever. But maybe he was thinking some of that. I just thought it was 
no real discount there for Muncie. So, uh, but yeah, I know a lot of people aren't drafting him. You and I are in that boat where it has to be a lot cheap. Is there is there a price for you? What, what what's your range that you would start to entertain Muncie? Is it like two fifty or later? Is three hundred? AKA never. Yeah, it's gonna have to be after three hundred for me. Um, okay. You know, like I'm just trying to think of like what round in a 15 teamer I would be comfortable. What about like, draft champions where you have more? No, I'd be less likely to draft champions because I can't drop them. I'm stuck with them. Okay. You know, because I mean, things like what just happened with Kim are going to yeah, happen. Yeah, no, you're right. right? You don't like, want crossed off players. You don't go into the league. With I don't 48 want 48 players. To everyone else is 50. That's fair. That's I don't. Fair. Yeah. I mean, I want like maybe two or three max stashes. Um, I want in, mine to be prospects too. I, yeah. I'd rather they not be in. I want to feel pretty good they're going to be up pretty early, too. Like, yes. you know, and so, like, yeah, I don't want, you know, I might take an injury shot here or there, but yeah, no, it's a really difficult. So I'm thinking 25th round. So that would be pet post 375. I'm never getting him there. Yeah. Like, just, so you're never getting Muncie, and that's okay. I, I don't think it's bad to be, be out on somebody. And we, we, we made that passing joke earlier about a, a comment that you had with regards mm-hmm. to your rankings because of where you ranked Seeger and Correa. And, you know, uh, we, we mocked it a little bit, but I, I don't know if that person listens to the, to the pod, but I feel like we've had this discussion a lot about drafting players and do you draft them like where you want to take them and how you feel about them? Or do you draft them to try to be with the crowd and with ADP? And we have decided over the years, I think we both moved further and further toward I'm going to draft. I'm going to rank them the way I draft them. I don't mm-hmm. want people to follow. If they're going to follow my advice, if you are going to use my rankings, I don't want you to do something that I definitely wouldn't do because then you're going to kind of put it on me, which is understandable. If you do, you say, Hey, this was your guy. I drafted him. I'll be like, yeah, we, we will. We lost or we won on that, but I don't want somebody to draft Max Muncie. If I just rank him 16th at, at the position um, because they're like, well, you had him up there, but you weren't drafting him until the 30th guy. And so I think it's more intellectually honest to do what you did. And you well, have Correa and, and Seeger low, but that's how you feel about them. I And I used to like be the type of person and be like, okay, well, here's my ranks. And then here's what I'm going to draft off of. Yes. And I'm not going to share what I'm going to draft off of. Here's my, and like it is, it, it's, it's not being honest with your listener um, or your reader. Like if you were, if you're a subscriber to Patreon, um you like you can see like i'm updating my ranks constantly you know pretty close to daily at this point like when i go to the bar fleet draft on saturday i'm going to print out what i have on mm-hmm. my ranks and that's what i'm taking to the bar fleet draft um like so i mean it, you know do i follow it to a t no no you never do because yeah, everything in, is in round 15 or 17 yeah. yeah no but i mean that's my I mean, I'm sharing my draft list. There are other people in the industry that rank based on, hey, this is where my projection system or whatever says end of the year value is going to be, which is mm-hmm. fine. But know what you're using, like, and know what you're reading. And what I, I, I make a draft list. Like, this is how I would draft in a draft. I'm going to take this player, you know, nine times out of 10 over this player. Um, and, uh, and yeah, some dude got mad at me in the comments. That's which is fine. Like you know, and that's okay. Was, yeah, you know, he like I thought it was it was too far, but he didn't call you names or anything. He didn't swear, and that's all right. Like it's all right to express your opinion, and that's what the comments are for. It's okay to be dis- wrong. It's okay yeah, to be I, wrong. I just, parents. I just disagreed with with his general point, which it's was parents. that you did something wrong 
by ranking these guys. They're your rankings. They're inherently yeah. correct in that they're just yours. And it's because I'm your amazing. opinion and your choice. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I'm, it's but, inherently and, correct because they're mine. For context, since we are talking shortstops, you put you put Seager 17, injury mm -hmm. history, lack of speed, and bad lineup, have me fading him is your comment, and Correa 20th. Injury history and lack of speed have me fading him. And we don't know if it's a bad lineup yet because we don't know mm -hmm. where he's going to be. And you pointed out how Seager, um, even last year, Seager was, was the 29th shortstop. So, like, like I'm, I'm ranking him 12 spots above where he finished last year. And Correa, the pre, you know, last year he was the ninth shortstop. He was ninth. I, I acknowledge that. But the previous three seasons to that, he wasn't even a top 25 shortstop. And Probably. this is. Four seasons because the shortened season, 19 only 75 games, yep. 18 only 110 games, and not 17 only 109 games. And this is what happens when you don't play a lot and you don't steal bases. Like, yeah, if if you're gonna miss, you know, if we have to project that you're not gonna get to 450 plate appearances in a full year, maybe 450 plate appearance is a full year this year. But um, if you know, but if we can't project you're gonna get to a full season and you don't steal bases, there's no way for you to recoup that value. Like it just. Yeah. I mean, his 2019, he was really, really good for the time he played. But because he only he played less than 400 plate appearances, really, really good didn't mean shit. Yeah, for, for Correa you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah for Correa. Yeah. yeah, he was 27th in 2019 mm -hmm. among shortstops. And add in the depth of the position, too, and, and the fact that neither of them steal. And I get it. And I, I'm a little bit higher than you uh, on Seager for sure, but we're pretty lockstep on Correa. The depth of the position, and I love Correa. You know how much I wanted him on my Tigers. I don't agree with his ADP at all. With the depth of this position, This, I feel like his ADP, uh, and for Correa, it is he is the 15th, shortstop off the board at pick 110 which just mm -hmm. tells you how deep it is that 15 shortstops are going almost within the top 100 um 22 shortstops are going in the top 150 that's 22 crazy. but but i think i think that slotting for correa is like projection because he either has to fully repeat last year or get better like, how has, often, like that's like the baseline how often do we complain about top four round players having to pay for their ceiling. Yeah. You know, oh, he has to repeat. You know, we hear it all the time with guys. We heard it like with the Rose Arena last year. He has to repeat to, re, you know, to get this fourth round draft spot. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear it, you know, oh, last year it was also Vlad, right? Oh, he has to break out to be worth the fourth round draft pick that he's going. No, he, he did. He but did. we yeah. never complain about guys who are going outside the top 10 rounds or top seven rounds mm -hmm. and like, Oh, he, we're paying for the upside. We're paying for last year. Like people are doing it with Simeon this year, right? Oh, you, you has to repeat to one. He doesn't. And two I've come around on him big time, by the way. And and two, it's like the, I'd much rather pay a top 50 price on Simeon than pay a top 150 price on Correa. I totally agree. Cause he's, he's done it too. He has a, an established level. And by the way, in fairness, Correa does not need to directly repeat. No, he doesn't. To but... generate 15 because he was nine last year. So I just mm -hmm. want to be clear if anyone is hearing that saying, like, no, he doesn't do a 100% repeat. But he has, he can't get hurt again. And yeah, that is he's... something that he has done consistently. And even last year, only played a buck 48. And that's a good number these days. But it's not, you know, it wasn't 157. So anyway, I, I thought your rankings were fine there. And again, they're your rankings. So they inherently can't be wrong. You can disagree with them. 
but they're not wrong because mm -hmm. they're yours. But let's talk a little NL labor before we get into the rest of the shortstop here. Mentioned that I was in it my first year, a lot of fun. I'm just going to run down the team real quick. Uh, not not worry about the reserves or anything, but the two catchers, Armar Narvaez, Manny Pena at 12 and four respectively. My corner infielders, Pete Alonso, 29, Mike Moustakis, 13, Luis Urias, 20. And then my middles, uh, Jose Barrero, eight. It's a little bit of auction dynamics there that I could afford to, to pay up for him. Your boy Cole Tucker at two. I, I knew you'd like that one. And uh, what am I? Oh, my second baseman, Ozzy Albies, 32. And then my outfield is Harrison Bader, Hunter Renfro at 20 apiece, Lane Thomas at 11. And then I took two free agent gambles, Jorge Soler at nine, Tommy Pham at three. I'd love to spike at least one. Um, if I lose both, then I can get, I think, uh, six dollars back you know the half of, of their combined value there for fab which will be helpful because the top 12 free agents weren't available to bid mm -hmm. um and so we're gonna have a separate auction for them so i could supplement some things with one of those guys if they come over to the nl and then my utility is at one dollar zach mckinstry nobody's surprised by me getting mckinstry pitching wise i went musgrove at 19 tyler mcgill 11 uh, Oscar Inoa, eight, Alex Cobb, six, Patrick Corbin, five, Zach Thompson, one for my starters, Giovanni Gallegos, not a surprise there, at 15, Mark Melanson at 10, and Trevor May at two. Um, and so that's the team. I'm curious what you think. I'd love your honest opinion, even if you think it's garbage. I do not think it's garbage. Um, I think you took some unnecessary risks with the amount of free agents you you got. It's only two. It's well, no, because then you took Ian Kennedy in the reserves. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Which I actually like. Um, can, can I be honest with you, real quick, before you continue? Mm -hmm. So, Solaire and Fam were both f bids that uh, I got cricketed on, and I didn't, I didn't think I'd get cricketed on. Solaire I think the Fam one is actually a, a really amazing deal. Like, I, three dollars felt good, but I, I, I hear you. Like, I, I probably, only, I only wanted one really. And when I got cricketed on Solaire, I came down lower on Fam, and I thought I thought he'd go five or six. But so when they froze me at three, I said, "Ah, not great." But again, I have the backup of the extra Fab period with the top twelve mm -hmm. free agents. If and, any of them come over to the NL, I can and if they in don't sign in the NL, you get that you get half of their. I get a little something back, a little taste, you know. Yeah, it's four percent of your Fab you know, bag is not bad. Like if you if you it's a hundred dollars and no zeros. And those 12 free agents are coming out of our actual fab. Mm -hmm. It's not a supplemental fab. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that, there it is. Go ahead. Continue. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I, I do really like this team. I, you know, Albies at 32 seems like a, a really, really, uh, you know, good price. Um, I, I had 35, 36 as my target. Yeah. So I, I felt good when they stopped there. You know, um, who do you, who are you going to replace Gorman with? Oh wait! Oh no, Gorman's. Uh, Gorman's. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong. Gorman's game. DVR. Uh, I'm, and I don't know who he's going to replace him. Oh, he's going to replace him with Lux, and then move one of their. And then uh, McNeil. Well, no, he doesn't have anybody on his. He's going to pick. He's probably. You know what? I think DVR is looking to get into he, the free agents. Yeah, he's going to go after the free agents pretty hard, yeah. I guess. So, uh, which I mean, everybody should. Right. It's a good strategy. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's a new dynamic, right? And mm -hmm. some people were didn't like it. You know, Mike Salfino's like, why'd you guys even do the auction? I was like, this is the time that we said it and we're working with the restrictions that we got. I hear you. If you didn't, you know, if you didn't like it, that that wouldn't be something that's ideal. It's just a different set of dynamics. Uh, I really like the Hunt, uh, Hunter Renfro buy uh, and the Lane Thomas buy. 
Uh, I actually really like your outfield. I mean, even with Solaire and Fam, I think if as long as you get one of them, I think yeah. you're pretty good because you did take two outfielders in the reserve. So um, one being TJ Friedel, who's a guy that uh, I I've talked about here. He's like a deep uh, NL only kind of guy. I figured um, he'll go right in. Mm-hmm. And then I could also put Tucker into the outfield oh, and Brasso true. can take his spot. So I'm covered on both my guys. If they both are out day one, I still have a full lineup. Even Plus if I don't you can go anything. after some of the, yeah, these three agents. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like this squad a lot. I mean, I think you know my biggest gripe with it is Gallegos at 15 bucks. Yeah. I mean, uh, we know he's probably not going to be. How many saves do you think he gets? 15. Ah, that's too low. I, I disagree. I think I think it gets to the low 20s. I hope you're right for your kids. But, I mean, you I also mean, have I, Melanson. I, I, um, and that's why I did that, because he's a high-volume guy. And I know that, like, I'm not pretending Gallegos is a 30-something. He got 14 last year and barely had the role. He is still going to be, like, the primary. He's not, and he's to not be a, honest, you know who I think the Cardinals will likely sign? Like Kennedy, easy and Kennedy. He's the easy. That'd be he's, great. He's the one. Like someone asked me on Twitter, like, hey, if you don't think Gallegos is gonna be the closer in St. Louis, who do you think leads the Cardinals and saves? And I said Ian Kennedy. I gotta uh-huh. be honest. Ke- Kennedy was y- you in the back of my head, like he, you know, saying like he. Someone's gonna stop because yeah. someone's gonna give him like two million dollars a year to be a closer. He's a capital C closer, uh, like. Yeah. Because he's done it. I'm not saying he's that good at it, but what I mean by that is that he's proven that he's had the role, and that has weight in the majors. He has mm-hmm. a 30 and 26 save season. The 26 saves were last year with pretty good numbers. I agree. Someone's going to bring him in to close. Uh, it could love, be Miami, too. Yeah. Love the rotation. Uh, well, Miami, clearly, after the Jeter stuff, is not going to be signing anybody. So, yeah, like, yeah, Dylan Flora went from being, like, like the closer, everybody's like, oh, he's going to lose his job. So maybe one of the, like, he actually, I haven't updated my relief pitch ranks, but he should move up into the more established guy. Dude, he's still mad cheap right now. He is way People are cheap. not interested in him at all. And listen, I love Bender. I banged the Bender drum a ton. It had a co-sign from Craig Mish, who I totally believe and, you know, take his Miami mm-hmm. stuff to the, to the bank. And uh, and they went with Floro. And if you look at Floro, though, he pitched really well. I wrote his yeah. cap on the forecaster, and I came away really impressed with how he did in that second half. So he only went for eight in this, which is not too bad. To Howard Bender, who did not take his namesake, it did not want did not want Anthony. He did uh, make a comment when when Anthony went. He's like, <laughs> "Oh, my brother." <laughs> that's so, just, yeah. That's like uh, Larry Schechter, not not. Not Drafted. taking Bregman. He should have to take Bregman. Yeah. Come on, that's his nephew. You got to get Bregman. <laughs> so, you know, I feel pretty good about where the team's at. It's obviously going to need in-season work like any team will, but especially and it's in, a, NL, in a league like this. It's, yeah, it's NL only, 12-team, you know, like there's nobody on the waiver wire. Is which, deep. which is why it's so interesting that they decided to do it this way in terms of the f- available free agents being available in a pool. Mm-hmm. Uh I think that's a really cool idea. I really like it. I think um, I think deeper leagues uh, like AL or NL only should copy it. Uh, if, you know, not just industry leagues, but I agree, um, especially if you had a set date and you mm-hmm. got family family folks that can't a lot really of, move it. Yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of people don't want to. They they want to just get together and draft, and so yeah, they want to go to the local sports bar and and get some food and hang out and do their yeah. thing. 
and you know, by the way, Anthony Bender went for 18 pure auction dynamics that uh, DVR had $18 left. If you're wondering okay. why, why, because I, I saw it too. And I was like, wait a minute. And that was his last player and all his money. He just didn't want to leave. Uh, really, really like your rotation. You went Musgrove, uh, Tyler Miguel, uh, you know, Alex Cobb, Patrick Corbin, uh, and Zach Thompson. Um, and then you took Corbin Martin and, and, uh, Tyler Beatty in the for for a person who did not spend a ton of their money on pitching, um, I actually really like what you put together. So thanks, I felt um, pretty good about it. I thought um, Cobb at six bucks felt really good. I thought he could push up to ten. Um, I actually had ten budgeted, and that's what that extra money did go to Barrero because he was my guy, and I really wanted to get him. Barrero and Pe Pena got that extra money. I thought I could get Pena for two, but people were pushing up the catchers, and I'm like. Let me get my backup loser from Atlanta here because I think he's a good regression play because his batting average was way too low last year. But yeah, and Barrero, you know, you know, I believe that he's going to be the shortstop. I paid more for him than Farmer went for. I just don't believe Farmer. Now Barrero hasn't done anything at the majors yet, but he's the young guy. He's the prospect. I think he's better. So and he's the better defender, which should mean something for the amount of ground ball pitchers they have exactly. in Cincinnati. So exactly. I would hope that you know he may not start with the team. I think, I mean, your only real issue is how much fabbing you may have to do at the beginning of the season. Because if I, if neither guy signs in in the NL and Barrero's down, that's three guys right off rip. That is yeah. like, okay, you got work to do. And, and then that, NL that waiver only, pool will not be good. Yeah, NL only. Do you have, I mean, you don't have to give it completely away, but do you have a strategy uh, set up for, like, let's say six guys are you know of the 12 that were set aside would just do 50 percent like how much of your fab are you going to be willing to blow um, I'm, I'm open i'm open to to making a high impact move mm -hmm. i think like, you should be because yeah. the amount of the amount of time you get that player for as opposed to waiting till the trade deadline exactly um, is huge you know the question is will somebody blow 90 percent of their fab on one player and how many people, will. and how many people will um Fre freeman's probably the obvious one right and i wonder yeah. you know if if he does sign is somebody ready to go and and, and say 93 dollars or something there's no zero dollar bids they would have seven dollars the rest of the year but it's freddie freaking freeman too mm -hmm. so it's like i totally get it what if correa comes up i know we just got done talking about him and kind of being a little negative on him and nl only though or trevor story like, trevor story like trevor story in philadelphia like, yeah, there's some um, there's some spots where that could become really, really interesting. Yep. Chris Bryant is obviously, uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Chris Bryant is very intriguing as well. Kyle Schwarber, uh, Kershaw, Rendon, or Rodon, excuse me. So yeah, and it's with the, be NL, the NLDH, like we don't have any like it's no longer oh well, where would Schwarber play in the NL? Not that exactly. he hasn't played there his entire career, anyways, but um. You know, Casty like, and Schwarber have a much better chance to land mm -hmm. back in the NL because it, of that. I DH. would say it's much more likely than it is AL because AL teams have their DHs full for the most part. It, exactly. No, I totally agree. Well, I so, appreciate that review. Um, yeah. I will have a link to the board in, in there. People can take a look, oh, give their well, comments. Last question. Yes. Because whenever I do a piece on an AL or NL only team, or back in the day, we used to have like a beat that we'd have to do rankings for, and mine mm -hmm. was uh, NL outfielders. Um, yes. Or sorry, it was AL outfielders. AL outfielders. Always get questions like, where's Cedric Mullins? Where is Cedric Mullins? Yeah. Like, where's Mike Trout? No one drafted Mike Trout 
I love league. that. It always happens. Yeah. No matter how much you're like, this is my National League only, my NL only, only NL, my only NL players. And that, and like you put that, you could put that mm -hmm. as the entire tweet. Yep. And they'd still be like, bro, nope. Yep. Nobody took Justin Verlander, dude. Nobody's backing on Justin Verlander. I, I had to do a monthly rank of AL only outfielders. And you would and always get. I get oh. ten, 10 comments. Where no, is Acuna, this? Bro. Yeah. Where is this NL only player? Um, and uh, one of the happiest days I've had in the industry was you not making us do that anymore. <laughs> no, I because and that that was part of it, though, was we'd always have to get in the comments and be like, you didn't read. You didn't read. So we, we moved off of those beats there. Um, yeah, and I didn't I didn't get Cedric Mullins. I should have gotten him instead of Jorge Dude. Soler. He would have been a better fit. And nobody yeah. even picked him up. Maybe I'll get him in free. And not even the reserves, yeah. You would think. And and honestly, people are pretty down on Trout because he didn't go in this league either. Apparently. And I thought this was supposed to be a sharp room. Call me crazy, but I think I think we kind of botched it. These are experts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. It was a really tough room, though. That my numbers were super tight. Um, some of the best values were well, one was a mistake. It was Patrick Wisdom. The the software broke for a bunch of people. We couldn't bid him up anymore, so Carabell got him for four. Um, and I know Derek Carney was saying he could have gone eight to ten dollars higher for that power. Oh, wow. And then um, the only other one that like really jumped out to me as being like four or five dollars lower than I had was I had Cesar Hernandez a good bit higher than the nine he went for. I thought that was a really nice pickup mm -hmm. for Derek. Speaking of Derek Cardi, that was a nice pickup for him. So there were some technical issues. A lot of us were running into the, my bid didn't register thing. And then if you waited to do it late to try to, for a little gamesmanship and then it didn't register, well then that bid didn't, then you couldn't do it. So it, that part was tough, and that's the downside of the technology aspect. But it was affecting people kind of equally, so they decided to just let it ride. Uh, so. Just, just something to remember: if you're going to do an online auction, waiting till the last possible second to bid sometimes screw you. So, and make maybe make a decision out front and at the very beginning. Say, hey, y'all, there's might be technological issues. We're not rolling them back. Mm -hmm. Outside of. I mean, I guess you could have exceptions, but then it's like, you know, what, what's an exception? But I don't know. Like, I, th I would have thought Patrick Wisdom was an exception enough, even though I don't think he's a stud. $4 in the NL only was actually pretty nice. Um, and several people were in the chat, myself included, saying I was going to go higher, but I couldn't get the bin to register. But it's not the end of the world. And, uh, you know, like I said, it did kind of affect people equally. Happy with the squad. Colton, uh, Glenn Colton, you know, uh, gave a little seal of approval saying, hey, did pretty well there. Uh, Ariel was doing the labor uh, for the first pitch. He was doing mm -hmm. the review with Tristan. They had some kind words to say, so I appreciate the, the kind words. There. I felt good, and I feel like this is a team that can certainly did, compete. Did you live stream this at all, or no? No, I was just I was in I was in the labor one, and mm -hmm. I had serious, and I was bouncing between those two, listening okay. here and there to both. But I just wanted to zero in, and I I didn't, so I didn't do it on Twitch myself uh touts coming up in two weeks i will be live streaming that bar's Excellent. coming up this weekend i will not be live streaming it but i will get a public board because we're going to be live yeah um so uh but i will get a public board and maybe, i'm sure i will do some like videos or, or yeah stuff maybe from... some uh breaks jump on mm -hmm. the live stream for like 10 minutes and, and yeah talk to probably do something, something like that, that could yeah. be kind of cool depending on what's going on uh all right let's finish up short stops here and uh, if you if you didn't get the first ones, like the, the star level talent, that was last episode or, or two episodes ago for the pod, but our last episode together, 1022. Uh, so now we're in on like the sixth or seventh tier. These are the kids. Uh, and then it is the aforementioned Jose Barrero, 
Jeremy Pena from Houston, Bryson Stott. By the way, Barrero is from Cincinnati. Uh, Pena from Houston, Bryson Stott from Philadelphia, Taylor Walls out in Tampa Bay, Geraldo Perdomo in Arizona, Luis Renjifo for the Angels, Royce Lewis from Minnesota returning from injury, Jeter Downs for the Red Sox, and C.J. Abrams from San Diego. First and foremost, who is your best bet to deliver mixed league fantasy value this year? Like substantial, meaning, you know, if we only get five months, then like four plus months type of deal. I think it is the guys who have the clearest paths to playing time. Um, and so right now, as things stand, I guess Stott, Pena, and Walls. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I expect Philadelphia, who Stott plays for, um, to sign either Story or Correa. Yeah, I really think Correa is going to end up back in Houston. So which would also then cut Pena. Yeah, which would cut Pena. Um, and so Taylor Walls, while he's not going to be a quote unquote starter in Tampa Bay. I think he becomes their super utility guy. I think he plays, you know, four or five days a week, giving guys days off. He has um, a wonderful glove. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think they're going to utilize that pretty well. Uh, and so I think Walls is a guy that, uh, especially in your draft champions leagues, um, your deeper formats, I think he'll pick up eligibilities other places uh, and just be, you know, if someone goes down, if someone were to mm-hmm. get hurt, you know, Brandon Lau gets hurt or, uh, you know, Yon Diaz gets hurt. Um, you know, one of those guys. I think he he's a guy that probably oh, or the other guy. Wander you know, Franco. Just you say I, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I know you don't want to put that out into the world. We don't. We don't have a roof. I, I don't. I don't have Wander Franco anywhere. But I. I, I yeah. don't like he. Baseball is going to be good with exactly. Him That's so, I, I, so I'm with you. I know why you, you don't didn't want to, but, but obviously anywhere on the infield walls mm-hmm. could then benefit if something. I think the did outfield happen. too. Didn't Walls play a little bit in the outfield? Um, Let me see. I, could be wrong. So not in the majors. He was 49 okay. at short, three at second, one at third, and one at DH. But I wouldn't be surprised. Guys like this, when they're this athletically gifted defensively, they can play anywhere. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he could play in the outer. Yeah. You know, I, they, I really wouldn't either. Now they also have Bruhan, who they've been, you know, uh, using also. as well. So um I'm not highly invested in anybody in mm-hmm. this in this tier. Um, I have a little bit of uh, Geraldo Perdomo. I've been a fan of his, but I, I mean, Nick Ahmed is such a good glove. So good defensively. Um, yeah. That I just don't know that they're going to give him a, a, a real shot. He did come up last year. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there is that. And maybe they say, Nick Ahmed, you know, you play uh, second base um, or Perdomo plays second base and they move Kettle Marte back into uh, the outfield. So, uh, Jeter Downs, I think, is still. Interesting. I know people are down on him, but yeah, let's talk a bit about him. He was part of the Mookie Betts trade, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so he's in Boston, and it's obviously not like shortstop's blocked off, but he could come up and, and maybe find some some second base work, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And he was at AAA last year, and it went terribly. Right, ninety nine games, four hundred five plate appearances of a six oh six OPS. But even in that, he went 14 homers, 18 steals. Mm-hmm. So the power speed was still there. It just, it was like when he wasn't hitting a homer or getting on base and stealing, it was an out for sure. Mostly and, a strikeout because he had 131 punchies in 405 plate appearance, 32% K rate. What is your belief? Uh, what, what, what is your estimation that Downs can correct that issue and, and make it at least palatable, right? He's had swing and miss throughout his career. 
although actually not not as much as I thought. He's a, only a 22% guy for a career. So this was a big spike in his swinging, uh, swinging strikes there with the strikeout. Can Jeter Downs get to a, you know, mid-20s strikeout level, let the power play with the speed and, and become a fantasy stud? Yeah, I think so. I think he also got unlucky in balls in play. I mean, he's a guy who, who's run yeah. like 300 BABIPs throughout his career in the minors, and then last year he was 249 guys. So uh, I'm sure some of that was deserved. And, uh, you know, you'll have to talk to guys like Eric Loggenhagen and, and uh, you know, other, you know, James Anderson, Matt Thompson, guys who watch these guys on a fairly regular basis, because I don't. Like, so, you know, yeah. I, I don't know exactly – I know a lot of people have said that they're really down. He went, I think he went to the Arizona Fall League and, and produced fairly well. I want to, I want to say, he um, he did well. No, he got on base, three eighty nine clip, four ninety one slug, but the batting average was down again, two twenty eight. So I wonder if he was eaten up again by Babbitt. I don't have the Arizona Fall League, but he, he is a high walk guy. I mean, double yeah. digit walk rate. Um, you know, pretty much throughout the entire minor league. So yeah, nine, 9.4 at, at AAA there. And I, I don't usually give the decimals there, but I'm pointing out just how close it was. To there, there's, there. there's clearly some pop and definitely a, a fair amount of speed in the profile for Jeter, Downs, yeah. for Jeter down. So I'm, I don't know. He may be one of those guys that, you know, comes up in September, like who knows? Yeah. Uh, but um, he's, I think he's more of a watchless guy. Uh, kind of, you know, see how he's doing. Do the the Red Sox give him a chance um, at some point? They're going to – I think they're going to give him an opportunity if he can turn things around because they, you know, like I said, he's part of the Mookie Betts trade. They want to be seen as not having gotten nothing from that exactly. trade. I mean, people, and Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say people are still making fun of the A's for, for – trading Josh, for the Josh Donaldson, Donaldson deal. Yes, exactly. Donaldson. Exactly. And Jeter Downs could be that piece that would never alleviate any sort of critique for the bet trade, but he would, he would minimize it. Mm -hmm. It would never be fully gone, but if he became a stud, they'd be like, okay, well we got, we got an impact player here. Um, Kike Hernandez is at second base right now, but as we all know, he can move anywhere. Mm -hmm. So if Jeter Downs was killing it and Jaron Duran wasn't Kike left field, Downs second base easy piece. I feel like Duran is overlooked a little bit. I know we're not. We're I not think so talking too. Outfielders. We but. will talk him at in outfield because I, I agree. I think there was hype last. It's it's that it's that hype. Pro and then they come up, do nothing, and now they're the worst player ever. Yeah, like because I he didn't do well. That. Yeah, in 112 plate appearances. So now Jaron Duran's persona non grata somehow. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you. You guys well know Barrero is my favorite guy here in, mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. I think he gets the job eventually. He might not start with it. But again, I, my biggest thing is Kyle Farmer's breakout was a 91 WRC plus. Like that's the breakout. <laughs> I'm just not that thrilled. And by he's that. not he's good 31. defensively. He's like not good. Like I just I'm not seeing it. Kyle Farmer, you might be an, a great dude, man. I I hate to just beat up on a guy's profile uh, like that, but I'm just not seeing it. Barrero is the future, and uh, hopefully the future is now, and, and they give him some love this year. Pena is interesting, but I'm kind of with you that Correa goes back to Houston, so that kind of puts a little uh, uh, clamps on that. What about Luis Renjifo in L.A.? Um, he could be a super util. I don't think there's a spot for him day one. In fact, he's probably going to start in the minors because they got Fletcher and Wade, mm -hmm. who are you know kind of similar guys that can play defense, can run, make a lot of contact. But neither is like a full block off if Renhifo does some things. Renhifo has some upside, and I, I didn't necessarily realize it when he first uh, 
came up for the for the Angels a few years ago, back in nineteen. But you know, he uh, he can steal a bit. He makes good contact. I feel like he has a little bit more power than like a David Fletcher, but strikes out a little bit more. Like he strikes out more, but I'll trade that power for the strikeouts because he hit three twenty nine with eight homers, thirteen steals in two hundred twenty eight plate appearances at AAA last year. Renhefo did fourteen percent K rate. Came up to the majors, it was a 20% K rate, but and then only a 220 BABIP, so he hit 201 with six homers and a steal. But I think he's got a little bit more punch than those guys, and um, I think his glove is pretty solid, too. I think he's a mm-hmm. solid average glove, not better than Fletcher or Wade, but like can handle it. So he could find playing time. Does Luis Renjifo interest you at all in like draft champions right now? Not really. Um, I I just don't know where the playing time is going to come from. I the Angels have been the team that I said we're going to get story. Um, and yeah, so if great. I and I feel like even if they don't get story, they're going to address the position because I think they want Tyler Wade to be the super utility. Super guy. utility. You're a hundred percent right about that. So, I agree. Um, which you know I I'd love to see Tyler Wade get full time playing time because I think he could get to like twenty plus stolen bases if he did. Oh yeah, did um, he get seventeen last year in minimum yeah, playing time? Exactly. So yeah, you're so, you're dead right uh, on that too. But I think as it, I think team construction wise, like even if it's someone like you know they bring Brack Andrelton Simmons or mm-hmm. like they're gonna Jose bring Iglesias. Yeah, they're gonna bring somebody in. I I assume they would want to like say, hey, let's build a powerhouse offense and bring in story or bring in Craya, but you know, who that, knows? That'd be awesome if they brought in story. I'd love that. Um, I, I think that would be perfect for them. So I agree. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I just think that Renifo is going to struggle to find full-time playing time. Um, he, I think he almost probably needs some sort of trade uh, to, to find, you know, some regular playing time, but I think he could be a really interesting guy in the same kind of mold as Tyler Wade, which is like, he's not going to be a full-time starter anywhere, but he's going to play three, four days a week mm-hmm. uh, as a backup. So I'm not drafting him anywhere. I'm done with my DCs. So uh, for the year, so uh, I definitely will not end up with Rudin Hifo, but yeah, I can those super deep guys are now off of your radar. Now that you're out of DC. Yeah. Like right now you're like, I've got my shares list and like, there's certain guys where it's like, Oh, you drafted Antonio Sensatella a lot. Well, I'm not going to anymore. All they're going to yep. do is drop down my shares list uh, because, yeah, it just I'm, I'm not. I think my 15 team mixer is now my deepest league. So yeah, um, uh, left to draft. So, so uh, you got you got your deep mm-hmm. plays out of the way there with the DCs. Um, Royce Lewis towards ACL last uh, in, in February last year. Said there was an update in November that he's running about 60-70% and should be 100, you know, heading into spring. Obviously, any delays are helping him to at least, you know, push himself back toward 100%. Royce Lewis, big-time prospect, uh, number one pick overall back in 2017. Not all number one overalls are created equally. Has not hit AAA yet. In 2019, he had a high AA season that was not great, but he did cap it off with a big fall league. We saw him go there and win the MVP and really, uh, you know, at least for those those few weeks there, those 22 games start to be the guy that that people envisioned when he was the number one. 353, 411, 565 with three homers and five steals. That's 95 plate appearances. The 566 before that in that season, he hit 236, 290, 371 with 12 homers and 22 steals and 10 cots, I might add. So it hasn't fully blossomed yet. 
But even with the lost year, I guess he lost 20 and 21. So now he'll be 23, mm-hmm. still young. Royce Lewis doing anything for you? Were you in on him before? Uh, where, where do you stand on Royce Lewis, the prospect? I mean, this is why um, there's an From old Minnesota, adage. by the way. Sorry. Yeah. There's, there's an old adage uh, that prospects are suspects till proven otherwise. And I think we've been spoiled a ton by, you know, some major prospects coming up and just being amazing out the gate. Juan yep. Soto, um, uh, you know, uh, Tatis, you know, Cunha, these guys just come up and, and Chris turn Bryan into before them. Yeah. Turning into MLB stars. But uh, we forget that more prospects are going to fail than succeed. Um, mm. And even though the prospecting game is getting better and better, that it's still true. Uh, not saying that Royce Lewis is going to fail. I, he still has power as long as that knee's okay. He still has a ton of speed. Um, he swings and misses too much. He's got a very, very aggressive approach. Uh, the, the twins have not been able to figure out how to get him to become a little bit more patient. But when you watch him play, and we got to watch him play it down in Arizona Fall League in 2019, even though he had been struggling in that season, like you could see the tools just flashing in front of you. I mean, it's, there's no reason, or there's you know, there's a reason why these prospect guys have him ranked super highly. He's still like the number two uh, Twins prospect, I believe, uh, on Eric uh, Loggenhagen's list. You almost um, said Eric Hosmer, and I'm not going to let yeah. that slide. <laughs> sorry, 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 Eric. That was that was bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, 62nd overall, number two on their list. So uh, for a guy who hasn't played for two years, that that is still mm-hmm. a good endorsement. I agree. So I have him ranked in my top 60 or 65 shortstops towards the bottom. Um, I think that he is likely because they were even in, in that Arizona Fall League, they were playing him in in um in, in the center. outfield. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that was just the way the rules are at Arizona Fall League. You could only have so many players from each position, and so not mm-hmm. every team can send, you know, a player to a certain position. Um, it's kind of like a draft that gets done. Um but uh, there's there's been talk about him playing the outfield, uh, and so I think there's a legitimate shot that he still has three options. Um, so I think there's a legitimate shot that he doesn't even come up to the majors this year, uh, that he stays down defensively to make sure he's injury, you know, wise ready um, and to really work on his approach so he can unlock uh, some of that power. Cause I mean, he, yeah. he's got legit 50, 60 grade power in that bat, but right now the hit tool is graded out at like a 40 and that's not what the twins would like out of their first overall draft pick. So no, um, and we and we've seen we've seen that, and it hasn't necessarily manifested in in strikeout rates that are like egregious 22 percent at both high A and double A that uh, 2019 season, but a twelve to eleven to twelve percent swinging strike rate that's going to cause problems at the big leagues and and probably even in triple a he'll start to be exposed a bit more and we've seen the low batting averages too with royce lewis so definitely someone to watch draft and hold is the only consideration i'd give him right now other maybe al only reserves but um otherwise just wait and see yeah I, i think he's a guy that i would try and buy low on in dynasty right now yes um i think that's certainly possible I think, you know, people are going to see him outside the top 50 uh, in in ranks. They're going to see this coming off the ACL, and they might be able to, you might be able to get him for, you're not going to get him for free, but 
No, um, there's pro- get there's cheaper def- than you would have in nineteen. Yeah, and there's definitely prospect fatigue. So he's a guy mm-hmm. like just because the tools are so immense that the upside is huge. Like I, I would take a gamble. Yep. Uh, all right. Oh, and CJ Abrams, any chance he gets up this year? I don't think so. Not coming off the massive leg injury uh, that he had last year, and uh, I think that the fact that the Padres are just stacked. I mean, if he's amazing, then you know, maybe the Padres you know figure out a spot for him. Maybe Cronenworth moves the outfield. That's um, why I put him on, just because in today's game, like once you hit double A, you're actually on the cusp pretty much no matter mm-hmm. what. So even though there was an injury, um, you know, with the fractured fibula or a tibia, excuse me, I just wanted to make sure that Abrams was at least mentioned so that people weren't like, what about CJ Abrams? It's a long shot, though, very long shot. Yeah, I think he'd really have to be crushing it, um, and the Padres would have to have some sort of natural opening they could move Cronenworth to to bring him up to play second base. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But Abrams is one to watch, and next year, don't be surprised when the hype machine is going crazy for C.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. All right, the boring draftables, a couple of whom we talked about with Fletcher and Wade on the Angels. Isaiah Kiner for left out with the Rangers, Haseon Kim with the Pirates, or Padres, excuse me, Joey Wendell moved to the Marlins, Edmundo Sosa for the Cards. T.D. Gregorius still hanging out there in Philly saying, why are you bringing Story and Correa out here for? I'm right here. And it's like, well, that's that's why we're bringing those guys out, buddy. I love D.D. Like, great, mm-hmm. great dude. But uh, the game is is his game has come down. And then Ramon Urias uh, out in Baltimore. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa certainly gets more attention now that Josh Young's season is Absolutely. over. Absolutely. Yeah, I and don't know that he belongs in this tier anymore. Probably um, has to move up to the last tier that we did last mm-hmm. episode together. Yeah, I, th- I think so. He's going to play every day. Uh, I mean, unless they bring in um, like uh, a Jonathan VR or somebody who... I don't think uh, they will. I think they like IKF. I think they do too. So I think he's probably going to play every day. Um, I think he's going to be a cheap source of stolen bases. I think he's going to get third base eligibility. Uh, so, uh, which is, you know, valuable. So um, if you had been taking shots on him in draft champions, you're going to probably get rewarded. You know, it's not a huge upside or anything like that. Sure. I mean, you wish he'd get catcher eligibility back, but yeah, that was the <laughs> only value he had last year. He had catcher eligibility over at, at Yahoo and, it became a whole big meme with me in the ITL folks because I was like, he's the worst. And then 20 steals at catcher. Top five is catcher. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Uh, but I, I stand by that he's just not a good hitter. Um, he's he's but, not, but he is going to accumulate. And yeah, yeah. Uh, accumulators have value. Uh, Especially when spent, they have when it's speed. Yeah, and if you're in draft champions, like when you're getting past pick 300, you're looking for guys who can just get you plate appearances. So. Uh, Isaiah kiner Philoff is one of those guys. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, he could have been in that MI category, which was that last one that we did um, that had, like, uh, Paul DeYoung in it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know why he's the only guy I can remember, but he is. So He'd probably but, be yeah. the bottom of that tier, but still. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But but you're right, should be higher. Um, so then Haseon Kim, we're both still bought in. We mm-hmm. know that there's no obvious role right now, but I'm just not giving up. He came over with so much hype last year because of the performance that he put up. Uh, in Korea, it didn't click, but there were flashes of it. And he's 26. That's one thing I really liked about him so much is how young mm-hmm. he came over. And I think we even pointed out that like he has time to kind of develop. Not that I thought he was going to put up a 70. I'm not couching my my prediction. I, I liked him. I said draft him and get him, and it was a mm-hmm. bust. But 
I'm not quitting him. I, and there's still enough juice here for me to go back to the well with, with Haseon Kim in deeper formats. He's multi-eligible at short, third, and second. Mm -hmm. uh, so he has the triple eligibility, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, super util on a good team. What's not to like with Kim in, in the right format? I, I like him a lot. I think he's uh, affordable. Uh, I think he's one of those guys you put at the back end of your roster as a guy who can cover all three of those infield positions that you mentioned. Um, and if he isn't performing, if he isn't playing, you cut him real quick. You cut him, uh, and then you move on. So yeah, uh, I, I don't see really much downside to a guy like Kim who showed power and speed in Korea, has started to show a little bit more comfortability, uh, especially hitting high velocity and breaking stuff. Um, so I, I think he, I think he's going to get better. He just, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a gap here last year, trying to figure out the transition between, you know, KBO and major league baseball. But, um, I have and some faith okay. that he's going to figure something out. I don't know that he's going to be a star, but I think he could definitely be a usable player in fantasy and in major league baseball. Totally agreed. Uh, Joey Wendell should also be in that MIs category. Mm -hmm. Uh, he should not be down here. He's better than this. So I, I apologize for that one. So IKF and him should be moved up there. And my rankings will reflect that. I was just grouping them and, and they got, they got caught up here in this uh, more of like part-timer territory when, the, when they're full-timers, he's going over to Miami and I think he's going to play every day with Miami. He had a quality season last year, 11 homers, eight steals. Now he was eight for 14. Um, he's had eight steals each of the last three seasons, including the, the shortened season. He, he dropped eight out of 10 in 50 games in 2020, eight out of 11 in 75 games in 2019, but then eight out of 14 last year in 136 games. So steals are just so freaking unpredictable, especially with these lower end uh, steals guys. But, you know, usually pretty decent average, touch of power, touch of speed. You're just putting him in, you're plugging him in. He's got third and short eligibility. Joey Wendell, somebody who interests you at all? Uh, in my in my ranks uh, piece that's on Fangraphs uh, that dropped yesterday, um, I said that uh, he is kind of boring, but he's gonna play every day. Like I don't think he's anything Perfect special, but he's multi-positional eligible. He's gonna play pretty close to every day. He might, you know, he might sit some uh, if they find a good platoon partner with him. But ultimately, I think they traded for him for a reason. They don't want to spend yep. money. He's cheap. Um, and he's kind of an old, reliable vet that can kind of, you know, help some of the younger guys along. So uh, I think he, he he's perfect for a league where you just want an accumulator. And I think if you're playing a deeper format, that's great. Yep. I echo that completely with Joey Wendell now in Miami. Edmundo Sosa is penciled in right now for St. Louis's starter. Your your boy, or at least one of your former mm -hmm. flames, Paul DeYoung, is still lingering. And I don't think that he's totally out of the picture here. In fact, he's slotted into the DH role. Um and they have guys, you know, that can move around. Like Tommy Edmond could move back over to short if, like, Nolan Gorman had to come up. So I don't think Edmundo Sosa is guaranteed, but I do think that he made enough noise last year in his sample of 326 plate appearances where he hit 271, 346, 389 uh, with a solid glove that they feel like, hey, we might have something here, and we, we're prioritizing defense. Again, not that Paul DeYoung hasn't improved his defense, but Sosa's more of like a defense-first guy. Six homers, four steals in that time, too, but he was four for eight on the bases. Boring as heck, but I think he just kind of fits what you were saying about if you want some playing time that's just kind of 
bland. But I don't think his is as guaranteed as Wendell's and IKF's. That's why they need to be higher than Sosa. Because I think Sosa could lose his job. Uh, yeah, I think Sosa needs to hit um, or at least play well enough because Gorman's coming up at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think both Sosa and Paul DeYoung are kind of on notice. Like, hey, you've yes. got three weeks or whatever it's going to be. Uh, and then Gorman's going to be up. The only caveat to that is, and I think we I mentioned this recently with you on an episode, is, you know, in 2020, they gave guys a full year's credit worth of service time like automatically if they played um, mm-hmm. in the majors, uh, if that, if we end up getting delayed enough, like a month or two into the season, that could be the agreement again. Um, and then Gorman would be up potentially day one, because I think he's ready. Um, I think, you know, his, the only way he gets held down is if they're playing games. So yeah, uh, that could put Sosa in some trouble. I drafted Sosa in the last round of TGFBI, because he was second and shortstop eligible, I needed someone who was second base eligible, uh, and I figured if he's not, you know, part of the opening day, you know, starting lineup, I can just say, move on, see ya, um, yeah, and and go to the next guy. So uh, I think he's somewhat interesting, um, but I also think he is in very much risk of losing his job. I would not draft him in draft champions or a league where you can't easily just drop someone. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's on Edmundo Sosa just because he really has to perform because they got guys knocking on the door, including Paul DeYoung, but also Nolan Gorman ready to uh, storm the league and be be badass. And then uh, Didi, I mentioned that you know we're, we're trying to replace him out here. I, and this is one of my bigger disconnects between how much I love a player and how little I care about their fantasy value because Didi is such a cool dude, man. I just really, mm-hmm. really like him. But we're talking about two of the last three seasons have been really rough, and the only one that was good was the 60-gamer. So it was like a two-month run. He had a 116 OPS plus or WRC plus that year, 84 and 19, 80, 82 games worth, and then 68 last year in 103 games. Now, I believe 2019 was when he was coming back from the TJ. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to give him some leeway there. And then he bounced back in 20, at least for the two months. So I was like, okay, he's fine. But then last year was really tough. 217 Babip which normally you'd say, okay, that's well, let's give him some leeway. But he's a 273 for his career. There's still a gap, but he's never really been a great BABIP guy. Again, we've already tried to replace him with Story and Correa. Where are you on Gregorius? Is there any hope hope for a rebound here? Are you drafting him anywhere? Are you so dead set that they're going to replace him that you're just bypassing DD? Um, yeah, I think I'm bypassing. I think they're going to replace him. I think he becomes a, a utility guy. I, he could even get DFA'd or something like that. Uh, His defense was the calling card, and it's no longer, at least last year, it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, he's struggling offensively. He's not as good as he was defensively anymore. Uh, Philadelphia looks like they want to be a team that's going to compete. They've been a team rumored to be in on story uh, specifically. So... Uh, yeah, I think especially if they bring someone in, I think DD's done. Uh, but even if they don't, they have guys like Stott who could come up and and be a usable piece at shortstop. So yeah, I, I and think- guys like Johan Camargo and Nick Maiton could could cost DD mm-hmm. some time in the interim as well. Yep. So Just I, sliding I, in. Yeah, I, I think unfortunately his time's over. I'm rooting for him, but mm-hmm. the outlook is not wonderful. Uh, Ramon Urias, I believe we talked about him. I forget what mm-hmm. the con, I think it was gold digging when we were gold digging. We talked mm-hmm. about Ramon Urias, and uh, he is Luis's brother out there in Boston. 
showed a little pop last year. Nothing crazy. I'm mean, talking about a 134 ISO. I don't want to overstate it. It's not like his brother's pop. But he had more in the minors at a 225 ISO. And I wonder if there's a little bit more to tap into at the major league level to where he could pop double-digit homers if he's playing damn near every day. Do you like Ramon Arias to be uh, Baltimore's everyday shortstop? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to be signing anybody. So, I mean, maybe they maybe they signed like an Andrews and Simmons, but even if they were to sign someone like someone like that, uh, you know, I mean, it's not like he couldn't take Rigdetto Doors' job at second base. Yeah, like, there's, sorry, there's, Jason. Yeah, so I, or I Kelvin think, Gutierrez is at third. Ramon Reyes yeah. can play any of the three infield mm-hmm. positions. Yeah, I had to rank Kelvin Gutierrez. I was like, why? Well, I guess he's, <laughs> I mean, he yeah, is. He's, he's going to be an everyday player, apparently. So that's just a, that's an atrocious. We need our boy Jorge Mateo to get going. Let's go, baby. Uh, yeah, he's got, so he's got a chance. I think draft champions. He's interesting because I think he yep. can accumulate. Um, yep. But I mean, outside of that, AL only. I don't really want him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going crazy for Ramon Orias, but you mentioned him in that gold digging pick 400 or later. Draft champions is, is, that, is exactly where I want him. And then this last group here, because we're up against the clock, we're only going to pick a couple. Uh, the chaff, Kyle Farmer. I did that to, to slam him, but if he is the starter, he should probably be at least in the last uh, group that we just discussed. Uh, Nick Ahmed, Elvis Andrus, Elcides Escobar, Jose Iglesias, who's unsigned, Cole Tucker, Kevin Newman, Tyro Estrada, Angelton Simmons. The issue here is that even if some of these guys play, which they are, um, they're not bringing much to the table. But who jumps out for you as somebody that you would have considered in your draft champions or did consider when you were doing them? Um, and does anybody have value beyond that? Uh, Cole Tucker is is tied for uh, fourth as my most rostered player this year. And he's so. this, year's, this year's said, right? He could be. Um, who knows? I mean, like, uh, I you're think supposed to know. I, I don't think there is a this year Cedric Mullins. Um, but if there was, I think Cole Tucker could be one of those guys going extremely late. We know he has pop, you know, and speed in the profile. He's a former top prospect. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's a path. There are paths to playing time, whether it's at shortstop or in the outfield um, in uh, in Pittsburgh. So I, I just like the opportunity cost. Uh, of you know you know now am I going to take him in like something like uh, a main event maybe as my last pick if it looks like he is going to be the opening day starter but not really he's not it's not likely in most leagues this is like super deep leagues watch this kind of guy uh, beautiful hair which is always a plus um, so, always uh, but I mean if if you know and, and people have ta- heard me talk about um, Tucker quite a bit uh, I'm not backing off of my love for him uh, but. If, if we're talking about other guys in this area, I think Nick Ahmed and Elvis Andrews are probably the most interesting just because I think they can accumulate. They're playing on yeah. bad teams. What about Alcides? And well, I hate that I'm even bringing this up, but they're going to go with him, aren't they? I feel like they are, which I don't really understand. Nobody does. They've got Luis Garcia on that team. Um, and so I think there's a chance that Alcides Escobar loses that job. And maybe fairly early because I mean Garcia is I think going to make that team and be kind of a reserve infielder, but th- they really should be looking and seeing what he has to offer as a potential full time player moving forward. Exactly, and he's only like twenty two or twenty three years old. So um, I think Escobar is a decent play in a, in a DC late, but ultimately I don't know that he's going to hold on to that role. Whereas uh, Elvis Andrews is going to play every day. Um, for Oakland, bat high up in the lineup, uh, and 
we know that he has 15, 20 stolen base uh, potential and maybe on a team that does not care, they'll just let him run like they mm-hmm. let Marte run at the end of the season last year. Um, and so I think Elvin Andrews is my favorite out of this uh, tier with Ahmed being my second favorite because that defense, even if they move him off of short to give Perdomo um, the opportunity, he's going to play every day somewhere, whether it's third base or second base. So, Yeah, I totally agree. Sorry, I'm just making sure that the producers don't call me too mm-hmm. early there. If you see me on my phone, I'm not trying to disregard you, but I agree with you on Elvis. He is somebody, you know, he's kind of in that IKF role, right? He's going to mm-hmm. play. He's going to get you some speed. So it's boring. You hold your nose when you do it, but sometimes you just need those boring guys to go in. Not every pick has to be a flashy upside pick it doesn't have to be bryson stott sometimes the best picks are the andrews and the ikfs mm-hmm. who deliver you know guaranteed production so yep uh, i think you make a great call there tyro estrada you said he's blocked when uh on yeah. your rankings and mariso dubon as well who's not on this list but like that's the tough part about san francisco right now is yes they do a lot of platooning but it, it's been crowded it's crowded over there, so it's tough I, to even find. I don't know that there's very many offensive players on San Francisco I want this year. It's um, hard. It's hard to really be interested in them. I mean, I feel like Brent Crawford's probably going to take a step back. I feel like Brandon Bell is at risk of injuries and in platoons. Uh, I think Evan Longoria is a really good bargain. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey Bart, I think, is probably uh, adequately priced. But outside of that, like I really can't think of many um, that I would want because they're just going to platoon so many guys. Yep. And it works. I mean, it works mm-hmm. for them. You know, I will say uh, Lamont Wade at his price with the DH added, uh, he'll be on the strong side of the platoon. I'm pre- I'm still pretty keen on him mm-hmm. after what he did last That's year. Maybe fair. it's just, maybe it's just biased because he helped me last year on, on the main event winner. But uh, I do think he'll play enough to be double digit homer and high single-digit steals, Uh, but that's for a different position. All right, that's going to cover it. That's the shortstop position. It's remarkably deep, and we were talking about draftable guys like Wendell and IKF, and uh, um, I think Tyler Wade with his speed, Haseon Kim, um, Elvis Andrus. These guys are going so, 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 so cheap. There could be like your third, fourth shortstop on your team. You can put so many shortstops. It's so deep. I will say, the depth for me, though, doesn't mean I wait it means more that I attack the position and get a lot of value out of it. Mm-hmm. You can wait, but I think if you wait too long and just say, well, hey, this is my starter. He's not too bad. You can be behind yeah. because people are getting two guys and you're making Correa your, your lone shortstop or whatever. And it's like, that's fine. But I when I see a super deep position, sometimes I like to just utilize that depth as opposed to wait. Yeah, How do you feel I- about shortstop there? It is deep. That strategy. It is deep, but there are a lot of big drop-offs. And so yes. I definitely want to attack before I get those big drop-offs. I would really love to get one of the top three or four shortstops. Um, I, I think I think it's you know it's 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 important for your team. Uh, that being said, if you miss out, you don't have to freak out in the way you might freak out over third base or second base. Yes. Okay, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So don't panic because then worst case, if you do end up with Luis Urias as your starting shortstop or or Glaber or Correa, it's not ideal. You'd rather be up in the upper tiers, but mm-hmm. you can survive that. So that's a good mm-hmm. call. You don't need to panic in draft. And that is going to be it for us for this episode. Justin, great speaking with you. We'll do third base. Speaking of that position, we'll do that on Friday. Take it easy.